0: knew that Thomas Edison gave us the first commercial light bulb. But did you know he invented alkaline batteries and an electric train? Edison said, if we all did the things we're capable of, we would astound ourselves. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. For almost two decades, I've been helping families build home businesses. Many have been astounded at what they've been able to achieve. Today, I want to introduce you to my newest and most exciting home business concept ever. It's Max Achievement Returns in 30.
1: <laughs> Program Returns in 10. Conservative in the cradle of liberty, you'll want to listen when Chuck Morse speaks on the Information Radio Network.
2: Good afternoon. It is I, Chuck Morse, Monday through Friday, ten till noon, right here at the IRN USA Radio Network. You're welcome to join the program. Eight four 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 three nine one three nine one. And uh, we'll be uh, awaiting the arrival shortly of my guest, Alan Smith. He is an economist. Uh, He's the author of the book uh, Social Security. Will it be there for you? And uh, he's got an interesting theory with regard to uh, what happened to the Social Security Trust Fund, uh, which is to say that it's been spent. And it's been borrowed by the government. uh, And that uh, apparently what happens when we uh, contribute money uh, out of our paychecks uh, every week, uh, money that goes uh, out of our pockets into our Social Security fund, the money does not go to a trust fund, which is what we thought it was supposed to do, where the money could then be bonded and and sold uh, in a a way that uh, generates uh, profit for us. But instead, uh, the money goes right into the U.S. Treasury because the government has basically looted the Social Security Trust Fund. Now, uh, Mr. Smith says that this happened due to an act signed into law by the Reagan administration, signed by President Ronald Reagan in 1983 that was supposed to reform Social Security. Uh, My understanding, and I cannot cite my sources on it, but... uh, I've interviewed many economists over the years. Uh, I've mentioned it. I've discussed it. It's never been something that I recall um, anyone uh, disagreeing with me on, including very liberal economists, and most of them now seem to be uh, liberal these days. And that is that uh, this happened under the Lyndon Johnson administration. Lyndon Johnson, I think it was maybe around 1965 or so, 66, decided to uh, raid the Social Security Trust Fund and use the money to pay for two wars, the war on poverty and the war in Vietnam, both of which we lost. But, uh, you know, he wanted to do this rather than to do the very unpopular thing to do politically, which would have been to raise taxes or ask Congress to raise taxes to, uh, to give him the money, which actually would have been the more constitutional approach, the more honest approach anyways. That way, the American people would see exactly what their government was doing, they would feel the immediate effects of it out of their pockets, and as a result, there would have been uh, there would have been a political debate, there would have been accountability, but instead they borrowed it from the he came up with this brilliant idea that they could just suck the money out of the trust fund. So this has a lot to do, of course, with the the beginning of what we have today. And that is a 16 plus trillion dollar national debt. Um, The um, you you know, but uh, Alan Smith apparently feels that this happened under Reagan. I don't know. You know, he might have the case to make. I don't know if it matters to me as much as the fact that it is happening, and that every president since has done this. They've borrowed money. Uh, the, The money goes right out of that that entitlement, and that it's your money. Um, I would also argue that there are other factors involved in the social security crisis, not just the fact that the government is bonding the uh, monies and and, uh, creating debt and spending it as fast as it arrives, but that uh, entitlement to social security has expanded, particularly since the 1980s. Uh, Alan Smith, are you there? I am here. Hello, you Thank you very much. I'm sorry about that. You're just not showing up on my board, so I wasn't sure. All right, I was listening to every um, Alan word Smith you is said. wonderful. Social Security will it be there for you, Alan? You're an economist. You're the author of this book. Um, tell me about it. I mean, you, you, you're, the premise here is that this uh, this rate on the Social Security trust fund was enacted under the Reagan administration. What's not your well, uh, thesis on let's that?
3: Take that uh, back. Let me first go back to your comments on LBJ. Uh, you're correct that uh, it was under Lyndon Johnson that they merged the two funds into a general fund so that two were mixed. And LBJ uh, did and would have uh, gotten every penny he could out of it. <laughs> the problem is mm-hmm. I hear this for years, and uh, there wasn't any surplus at that time. Social Security had been Budgeted in such a way that it was just about enough come in each year to pay the bills. So, uh, right. when, uh, the, some years would be a tiny surplus and some years would be a tiny deficit. Uh, I looked up one time and it was just peanuts all LBJ was able to get to. Now, I'm not saying he wouldn't have done it. Uh, what happened is the 1983 Social Security Amendments, uh, major law. In Social Security, which did a lot of things, such as change the age and so forth. But the big thing it did was put a big, big uh, payroll tax increase on the baby boomers. Now, up till that time, uh, the role of uh, paying for Social Security was that each generation would pay for their parents' generation, and on and on. Well, with the baby boomers, there was going to be so many of them that it was decided in 1983 that they should pay for the benefits of their parents' generation, plus they should prepay the cost of their own benefits so the money would be there. And so this is what happened. There was a big increase in taxes, and it was designed with the idea of a 30-year surplus, uh, 30 years of big surpluses. Uh, The problem is what was supposed to happen to this is that they were supposed to take this money, save it, not spend it on anything, invest it in U.S. marketable treasury bonds, the kind that uh, China and all the others will hold, and that money would build up, and these bonds, when we got to the point of the baby boomers, we'd start selling these bonds and have the money come back in. Here's where the real big problem runs into Uh That has generated $2.7 trillion in that 30-year period. Uh, The surplus ran out in 2010, and not one penny of that money has ever gone to Social Security, and not one penny of that money is around anymore. Uh, Now, the only reason I put Reagan is that's where it initiated, uh, and if he had, uh, at the end of his term, uh, stopped doing that, there wouldn't have been such problem. His successor, the first President Bush, did the same thing. And then Bill Clinton, your Democrat, for eight years did the same thing, and so did George W. Bush. And so the matter is that the federal government has spent $2.7 trillion of Social Security money on non-Social Security things, on uh, the wars, uh, the back when the Reagan tax cuts, they had a big cuts on went to a lot of the wealthy, and that, that cut them short on revenue. So this helped do that. So it really starts in 1983 or 84 when it starts coming in, because that's the time, and incidentally, that has been changed back, I think, in the, in the early 1980s. It is no longer Social Security is off budget. It's, it's the way it was before LBJ. So it in there, but LBJ did do that, Uh, and he stole every penny he could get probably but it was just peanuts there wasn't any money there until they passed this law and raised the payroll tax in 83 they just started bringing in billions of dollars
2: yeah but the problem is that um when they passed that law the precedent had already been set that money's going into the so-called social security trust fund would be available to for spending by the government and um if they had done what Al Gore talked about in the 2000 election, and I know there were jokes made about it on Saturday Night Live, but he was right, which is put in a lockbox. In other words, to put in a uh, piece of legislation that would have separated the uh, the trust fund from access to the general treasury, then that money would have done what it was supposed to do, which is accrue interest and be uh, loaned out at interest and then... Uh, when the uh, bonds became due, then uh, the money would have been able to have been go to those who paid into this fund all their life. But the yeah. problem is that it continued to go right into the U.S. Treasury, and uh, I don't know if that was the intent of the Reagan administration or not. But the fact of the matter is that 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 kind of that die had already been cast by Johnson, and uh, but what you're saying is that now there has been a reform put in place where the uh, Social Security uh, Trust Fund is separated?
3: uh, Yeah, the funds are separated. You can go into any of the statistics and you can find Social Security budget surplus or deficit, and you can find the general budget surplus or deficit. Well, for 30 years, Social Security ran big surpluses, but during almost that entire period, the law was enforced uh, because this was put back in by, uh, senator Moynihan and uh, a senator from uh, South Carolina were very much involved in that. Mm-hmm. But let me just point out, you know, I spent uh, 14 years researching this and trying to get this out to the public. Uh, you go back to the congressional record, and you find that in 1989, uh, Senator uh, from South Carolina, Ernest Hollings what I'm trying to think of, Let's oh yes, yeah, sure. I a short, a short quote from him that this is something he gave a speech in 1989 on. This he said, "The most reprehensible fraud, fraud is this great giant in this great jumble of frauds is the systematic and total ransacking by the Social Security Trust Fund in the next century." Now here, he, here he's prophesying in the next century the American people will wake up to the reality that the IOUs. Trust involved are a 21st century version of Confederate banknotes. And guess what? He was right. Uh, there's nothing there. And uh, at about that time, Senator Moynihan from New York, he got very angry about the whole thing. They had debates and he introduced legislation uh, that would uh, I believe it was 1990, his would repeal that tax increase because he said that money's not going where it's supposed to. The government's spending it And he wanted to take the money back so there wouldn't be anything there to loot. And uh, Mm -hmm. that legislation was introduced. It had support from both conservatives and liberals. But it didn't have the support of uh, President George H.W. Bush. Uh, He was using that money. It was a big slush fund for him. And he put all the powers of the president behind defeating that legislation. So this is not some new theory now. Back in 20 years ago or more. The members of Congress were debating and trying to figure out how to stop this from happening. And here's where it, uh, you mentioned Al Gore a minute ago. Uh, I won't, uh, I can't prove it, but I'm almost sure that I am the source of his, uh, boss. I had uh, a lot of correspondence with him, uh, telling him to break with Clinton and, uh, don't let that Social Security, uh, that happen anymore. I uh, called the night before he uh, accepted the nomination. I called my Florida senator, and he was going to call him. And the idea was that Clinton had been spending this stuff. So Gore, I didn't have anything to do with the name lockbox, but I had urged him not to, not to continue to loot it. And uh, that's what sure. he promised to do. And then George W. Bush had to promise the same thing. And so we went through that
2: 1980 election. Alan, we gotta take a break. Sounds to me like you made history, Alan. It's cool. It was quite a uh, proposal. We'll be right
4: back.
5: You gotta pay attention to the small things, kid. Small things matter. Small problems become big problems. Take a transformer. Ring leaks into a transformer, insulation system breaks down. Insulation system breaks down, copper windings overheat, copper windings overheat, transformer blows. Transformer blows. Facility goes dark. Facility goes dark, kid. You don't want to know what happens next. That's why I use Granger. Granger helps keep small problems from turning into big problems. Get it? Got it? Good. Call, clickgranger.com, or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
0: You probably knew that Thomas Edison gave us the first commercial light bulb. But did you know he invented alkaline batteries and an electric train? Edison said, if we all did the things we're capable of, we would astound ourselves. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. For almost two decades, I've been helping families build home businesses. Many have been astounded at what they've been able to achieve. Today, I want to introduce you to my newest and most exciting home business concept ever. It's MaxAchieve.com. If you'd like to earn $500 to $5,000 or more a month working from home, check out MaxAchieve.com. This is more than a home business. At MaxAchieve, we want to help you experience more success in all areas of your life. To find out how you could astound yourself, go to MaxAchieve.com. That's MaxAchieve.com. Or call 800-801-3465. 800-801-3465.
6: Policies issued by American General Life Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit AIGdirect.com. On March 3rd last year. Henry W. faced his own death with incredible courage. He wasn't in an accident. He wasn't ill. He wasn't in any danger. But he faced this reality head on. If he died, his wife and children wouldn't be able to pay the mortgage, make the car payments, or keep up the life they'd had. His family would lose everything. So he picked up the phone and called AIG Direct. He found out that through AIG Direct, he could get a quarter million dollar life insurance policy for less than $14 a month. Now, he knows that he's helped make his family's future secure, no matter what happens to him. Protecting your family with coverage through AIG
7: Direct is fast, easy, and incredibly affordable. Call AIG Direct right now for a free no-obligation quote. The call takes less than five minutes, and you can save up to 70%. Call now, 1-800-320-8583. That's 1-800-320-8583. 1-800-320-8583.
8: Hi, I'm Joan London, and if you're worried about your parent or a loved one living alone like I was, and you want reliable senior care information, then call A Place for Mom, the nation's largest senior living referral service. You'll get free information on assisted living, Alzheimer's care, nursing homes, even important financial information.
9: They had obviously researched every place, not just given me names. They found me a place for what she could afford, and it was magnificent. We're now Very
10: confident that she's safe, and they just helped every step of the way, and I can't thank them enough.
8: So if you're struggling to find reliable senior living information, call A Place for Mom. This is a free service, and you can trust them to help you.
6: If you're struggling to find reliable senior living information for your mom or dad, then call or go online to get the free help you need during this turbulent time. Call now, 800-469-7591, 800-469-7591.
7: You have a mortgage and a load of other debt. Wouldn't it be great if it all just went away?
9: We paid off all of our bills.
7: All your debt, including your mortgage, in as little as nine years?
9: We will have saved over $313,000 in interest payments.
7: Even have more money left over each month?
9: It lowered our monthly payments by a little over $500.
7: Call for your free CD now, 800-383-5310.
9: This works. Call the number.
7: Call now for your free CD, 800-383-5310, 800-383-5310.
2: Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much, Alan. Smith is with us. He's an economist. His book, Social Security, Will It Be There for You? So, Alan, the uh, the so-called lockbox proposal, which was endorsed by both uh, candidates Bush and Gore, did that become law, or, or what happened from that point?
3: Uh there wasn't any such thing as a law or legislation. They just simply uh, you know, were proposing that this be done. Uh, if Gore had won, we don't know whether he would have honored it or not. But Bush won and just went back to spending that. In fact, he spent more than anybody else during uh, his eight years. Uh, and I, here's where I, I have trouble trying to understand how the public's perception. At that time, in the election of 1980... The American people knew all about this because it had been in the news, and uh, uh, Gore had pointed it out. They'd been looting and raiding the Social Security Fund. Bush pointed it out, and they both we're not going to do that anymore. So when you have both candidates pledging that, you had an election. Now, if under normal circumstances, some newsman would probably followed up on that. But we had 9 and we had a war-type thing going on. And nobody ever bothered to see if Bush honored his promise, uh, in terms of the news media, and it just sort of seems to be assumed by a lot of people that the looting ended, and it didn't, uh, um, the massive amounts hmm. that were coming through there. So there there was agreement, uh, and let me just say this, uh, there's nothing partisan about this whole big thing. It, it may, Reagan may have been in
2: no, the first
3: past, but uh, on, in the Congress and everything else, Democrats and Republicans are equally guilty Uh, Bill Clinton for eight years, I thought when he got in, I hoped he would uh, squeal on that. So this is not a Republican or Democrat thing. This is literally something the American people have been ripped off. And it's just a question of whether you want to use the word that the money has been stolen or the money has been borrowed. Now, if it's been borrowed, you would expect some plan for repayment. There is no such plan. And I've never heard anybody in Congress even hint that they were willing to pass legislation uh, to pay that back. So if that's the case, I think the most honest way we can say it is that the government stole $2.7 trillion of Social Security money and used it for other purposes.
2: Sounds to me like what happened is that when the, with the 1983 Social Security Act, it was essentially a tax increase rather oh, than it call was. it an income tax increase. It was a payroll tax increase, and the money just went right into the uh, Treasury like any other tax increase and has continued to do so. Now, in 2005, George W. Bush tried to enact some Social Security reforms, which were rejected by both uh, liberals and conservatives, and part of that program was to allocate a small percentage of the funds uh, or give an option to allocate a small percentage of the funds into a private annuity that would be invested. Uh, whatever happened with that, do you think that was a good idea? Do you think privatization of Social Security is a good idea? I
3: Let me just say this. The American people should decide what kind of Social Security system we have, and we can debate on whether we should have private or other. But poll after poll over all the years have shown that the vast majority of the American people want to keep it as it is. Now, there is a, an organization, there is a movement to force privatization and cram it down the American people's throat. Uh, this all started back in 1983, involved the Cato Institute, which incidentally was uh, right. founded by one of the Koch brothers, uh, and uh, then they changed the name to Cato, and the other was a Heritage Foundation. They jointly got together Mm -hmm. and came up with a plan, a long-term plan, to privatize Social Security to force it on the people. And they actually published this in 1983 in the Cato Journal. The title of the thing was Achieving a Leninist Strategy. And that's hard to believe, but and Achieving a Leninist Strategy. And they talked about the disagreement between Marx and Lenin. Uh, Marx had prophesied that capitalism was so bad that it would just collapse on its own, and uh, Lenin said, I'm not satisfied with that. I think we have to do something to make it happen. Well, they were carrying that over, and it's all downright, and anybody can go on the internet and look for the Leninist planet. It's all over. Uh, I think I was the first to report it back in my book, uh, the attempt to, Social Security, the attempt to kill it, but now everybody knows about it, and That is an attempt, and they include among other things in there one of their top things is use of guerrilla warfare, uh, is an acceptable thing, and that means uh, you know rough people up a little bit. But that organization, it started out.
2: I don't know if they meant that literally. I think that was more like a kind of a Saul Alinsky idea of using uh, strong political tactics. And by the way, I should mention that I have someone from the Cato Institute joining me in the second hour today. Um, And I think the Koch brothers are great Americans. Alan, we're going to take another break here. Stick tight. We'll be right back. Life
6: Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit AIGdirect.com. On March 3rd last year, Henry W. faced his own death with incredible courage. He wasn't in an accident. He wasn't ill. He wasn't in any danger. But he faced this reality head on. If he died... His wife and children wouldn't be able to pay the mortgage, make the car payments, or keep up the life they'd had. His family would lose everything. So he picked up the phone and called AIG Direct. He found out that through AIG Direct, he could get a quarter million dollar life insurance policy for less than $14 a month. Now, he knows that he's helped make his family's future secure no matter what happens to him. Protecting your family with coverage through AIG Direct is fast, easy,
7: and incredibly affordable. Call AIG Direct right now for a free no-obligation quote. The call takes less than five minutes, and you can save up to 70%. Call now, 1-800-320-8583. That's 1-800-320-8583. 1-800-320-8583.
3: Hi, I'm Joe Defina from Washington State. My wife, Marilyn, and I have been working the Andy Willoughby three-step plan now for over seven years. We love doing it. It's been the best way we found to work from home. It's been life-changing for us. We highly recommend the Andy Willoughby three-step plan. This is Jeannie from Missouri. I've worked Andy Willoughby's three-step plan for eight years, working in my spare time. I work with really nice people, can be my own boss, and I don't have to be a salesperson. This is something anyone can do.
0: Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby, the three-step 3-Step Plan home business system has been helping people find financial freedom for over ten years, and I think we could help you too. What people like best about the three step plan is you can actually have customers calling you, you don't have to be a salesperson, and you get to work with nice family oriented people. To find out how you could start making more money working from home, go to 3stepusa.com. That's 3stepusa.com or call 800 480 2102.
2: Doc Morse speaks. Thank you very much and my guest is economist Alan Smith. His book is available at amazon.com Social Security Social Security. Will it be there for you? Uh, Alan, I think that I would argue that uh, privatization of social security is a good idea. Now that doesn't mean that the government shouldn't have a role in it. I think it should be regulated by states who oversee the investments to make sure that, uh, you know, people aren't taken advantage of by speculators. And I'll give you a model for that, and that is the federal government itself has uh, retirement plans for its own employees. I know this because someone very close to me is a federal employee. Well, wait a minute. That, That person happens to be my wife, who is a federal employee. And what happens is that the federal government oversees several mutual funds, Uh, of various levels of risk and that the money is contributed into those funds where it has had an amazingly good record, even in these very hard times, of accumulating interest. Now, right now, when people put money in the Social Security fund or when it's taken out of your paycheck, that money doesn't get any interest, and you lose it when you die. If you're single, for example, and you pass away before retirement age, the money just disappears. I would argue that... uh, There might be a better system with government oversight, preferably on the state level, where your Social Security contribution could go into private investment, where it would accumulate capital, where it would be invested in the economy, where it would accumulate interest, and where upon retirement you would have a nest egg. You would receive a certain amount of money, which would probably be a pretty good amount. And if you pass away, the money would go to your heirs. What a way to reduce poverty, you know? I mean – working people putting money into that system their entire working life, which could be, you know, 40, 50 years, the money would would accumulate rather than have. And I base this partially on your thesis here, which is that the federal government has raided the fund, starting with Johnson or Reagan, doesn't matter who. The fact is they're doing it and they're continuing to do it. If the money were put aside into private investment with government oversight to make sure that, again, there's uh you know there's laws against speculation, then uh, you would see some real accumulation of capital. What do you think?
3: Well, I have no problem with anything you just said. If the American people through our democratic process uh, are convinced to that point, that's good, that's great. I mean I'm, I'll go with anything. Uh, the thing is that the majority. Uh, it's supposed to have majority rule. The will of the people is supposed to prevail. And so far, that's why uh, Bush had his campaign to privatize it, and he wasn't making much progress. And then Katrina came along, and he got a lot of bad press there, and he just dropped. Uh, the, well, he became uh, discouraged
2: by it because he was getting attacked from both sides. And I, I get the fact that most people want and support Social Security. My question to you, however... As an economist, putting aside what people want, is it a good idea like for example, most people in this country don't care about the sixteen and seventeen trillion dollar deficit they don't understand it, they can't get their mind around it, and polls indicate that most people don't care about it, but that doesn't mean it's not a problem. You know I mean they'll start caring big time if China decides to call back its more its uh its loan and if the us dollar is uh, unpegged as the international currency and we see a collapse in the economy then they'll care so my question to you is from an economic standpoint i don't care about the polls and what people what's popular because i don't think people understand these issues people are not educated to the degree that they understand it from an economic standpoint don't you think it makes sense to privatize social security so that people can actually have some equity that they can have some assets that they could then pass on to their heirs and inherit upon retirement?
3: Uh, all the things you just asked is the answer is yes. But uh, you're seeing part of the picture. And uh, I, I personally uh, prefer the system we have. But if we reach a point where, through our democracy, we decide to go the other route, See, here's the big thing. The reason private enterprise wants that is only
4: billions billion dollars.
2: Well, sorry about this, Alan. we got a quick break here. We'll be right back.
4: I'm sorry apologize. We'll take a break. Hello, my name is Marius Forte, And together with my good friend Sam Sorber, I would like to introduce you to a new book called the answer, proof right. I'm not of God in heaven. The answer is like a wrong. master key to I'm all your spiritual questions about the existence American of God. As well as the, the towards questions that humanity has asked throughout it. the ages. For example, is there a God? And if there right, is, we're is we're it on a break good. How right could it be meant suffering in this world we'll which sounds like a contradiction? But it is not. Where do we come from and where are we going and why are we going at all? Why this tremendous amount of energy surrounding us and a hell? How can we be sure is there any proof? What are the two main ingredients of happiness, and how could we obtain these? Many more questions are addressed in our new book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. As we simply know of gravity and not just believe in it, once you apply the naturalistic laws of this universe, your belief will turn into knowledge and you will know God. Our book has just been launched. Please visit our website, theanswer-book.com, for more information. Hello, my name is Marius Forte. And together with my good friend Sam Sorbo, I would like to introduce you to a new book called The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. The answer is like a master key to all your spiritual questions about the existence of God, as well as to questions that humanity has asked throughout the ages. For example, is there a God? And if there is, is he good? And if he's good, how could it be meant suffering in this world, which sounds like a contradiction, but it is not. Where do we come from and where are we going and why are we going at all? Why this tremendous amount of energy surrounding us? Is there life after death? Is there actually a heaven and a hell? How can we be sure Is there any proof? What are the two main ingredients of happiness, and how could we obtain these? Many more questions are addressed in our new book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. As we simply know of gravity and not just believe in it, once you apply the naturalistic laws of this universe, your belief will turn into knowledge and you will know God. Our book has just been launched. Please visit our website, theanswer-book.com, for more information.
0: People wake up worrying about their job and paying their bills, and that stinks. People in third world countries wake up worrying if their children will have anything to eat, and that stinks even worse. There's a way to help solve both of those problems. Get on the internet and go to usa com and find out how you can be a social entrepreneur. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby, and for years I have been helping people work from home. With USAGoodness.com, you can earn extra money working from home by helping to feed starving children in poverty-stricken areas. How great is that? The only tools you'll need are a telephone, Internet access, and a good work ethic. We'll teach you how to be a social entrepreneur and earn extra money while helping others. Go to USAGoodness.com or call 800-301-6177. 800-301-6177
1: taking back america one listener at a time chuck morse speaks speaks.
2: thank you very much my guest is alan smith he's an economist His spoke is social security will it be there for you uh alan you know this might sound a little esoteric but i actually think that um the investment of social security funds into uh, into private enterprise is good I think it yeah. creates jobs. I'm not gonna have to debate.
3: Well let me that. let me
2: just let me just finish my thought here. It not only is not only that, but a, a person would have the option if they controlled their own social security money to simply have the money invested into bonds, they could buy treasury notes, they could buy put it in a savings account for that matter. In other words, it's a matter of, of free choice. But you make the case that the government has not only looted the fund and taken the money and raise taxes through Social Security, and then taking that money. But it's even bigger than that. The problem is that starting in the 1990s, really, and in the 80s, there were several legislative initiatives that actually expanded the definition of who could qualify for Social Security, both in terms of uh, Social Security's uh, accompanying funds, SSI and SSDI, which, uh, in which they created more categories of so-called disability, so that people could get money from that fund, and that has looted Social Security in the tunes of tens of billions of dollars. There's also a means by which uh, illegal aliens can get Social Security, and new immigrants who never paid into the system can automatically get Social Security benefits uh, as refugee status, and other means by which Social Security has become a backdoor to welfare. So I think that all of these factors... Uh, could be looked upon as proof that privatization is a good idea because, I would uh, mention to my listeners, that is your money. you're taking That money is taken out of your paycheck every week and put into the government from your entire working life, and you're not only entitled to every penny of it, but if you have some oversight of it, you can make sure that it is invested in a way that collects interest, which right now it doesn't, and that when you retire, you could retire with a pretty good amount of money in the bank that you can then leave to your heirs. To my way of thinking, it's a much better way to reduce poverty in this country than taking it out of working people's pockets and, and handing it out to to people in the form of welfare.
3: Yeah, well, that's, that's fine. Everybody has an opinion on that, but nobody's right or wrong, necessarily. Uh, what I'd like to
2: do now okay, is... I'm okay, sorry, I'm sorry about this, Alan. I really apologize. We've got one more break here. When
4: we come back, you shall be heard. We'll be right back. Hello, my name is Marius Forte, and together with my good friend Sam Sorbo, I would like to introduce you to a new book called The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. The answer is like a master key to all your spiritual questions about the existence of God, as well as to questions that humanity has asked throughout the ages. For example, is there a God? And if there is, is he good? And if He is good, how could we be meant suffering in this world, which sounds like a contradiction, but it is not. Where do we come from and where are we going and why are we going at all? Why this tremendous amount of energy surrounding us? Is there life after death? Is there actually a heaven and a hell? How can we be sure is there any proof? What are the two main ingredients of happiness and how could we obtain these? Many more questions are addressed in our new book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. As we simply know of gravity not just believe in it, once you apply the naturalistic laws of this universe, you believe will turn into knowledge and you will know God. Our book has just been launched. Please visit our website, theanswer-book.com, for more information.
1: Chuck Morse
2: speaks. Thank you very much. And my guest is Alan Smith. He's an economist, Alan, please continue. Social Security, will it be there for you?
3: Okay, yeah. I'd like to point out now just partly why that title and so on. Social Security is on the verge of a major crisis, and people don't realize this. Uh, when that payroll tax increase uh, went into effect in 1983, for almost 30 years it generated big surpluses. Well, the last surplus was in 2009, a tiny surplus then. Starting in 2010, Social Security started running permanent annual deficits. Now, in 2010 itself, the first year of that, uh, there was a $49 billion deficit. That means that Social Security's income uh, revenue was $49 billion less than the cost of paying benefits. Well, what would they do? Well, what they were supposed to have been able to do is go sell some of those good as gold uh treasury bonds that were supposed to bet in there but they're not they're not there anymore so the government has had to borrow uh first in 2010 they borrowed 49 billion dollars from uh probably from China or whoever doesn't matter they borrowed that 49 billion to make up the difference well this has gotten bigger and bigger i think it's about 72 billion this year so we don't have enough income coming in now uh, to pay the benefits just out of the tax revenue uh, the government's having to borrow. The big problem is Social Security is on the verge of bouncing checks at various times. A lot of people were uh, confused and concerned when uh, President Obama, on two occasions, when he was asked, well, if we don't get this debt ceiling through, uh, will Social Security checks go out on time? He said, no, no. Uh, they won't go out and people say, wait a minute, they got $2.7 trillion, Why can't they pay their bills? They do not have anything. And uh, he was right is that uh, the debt ceiling uh, You know, stops the borrowing and when the government is having to borrow for part of the Social Security. So we have a real crisis now that from now on throughout the baby booze retirement, each year it gets bigger and bigger. The problem is we were supposed to be dipping into that surplus, and it's not there. Now, the only, uh, the real solution, uh, at least in theory, is if the government had never uh, looted that money, there'd be no problem. If the government were to somehow repay that money, there'd be no problem. You have the AARP and others saying Social Security has enough money to pay full benefits for another 20 years. You hear that all the time? They don't have enough to pay mm-hmm. for this year. They're out of money. And those There's lines that uh, come from the organization, the liberal organization, and by uh, others, we have a real crisis in that uh, you can't pay the bills if you don't have enough money. And Social Security has reached that point. That is why you have so many people proposing uh, Social Security reform, because they can see that the government's going to have to borrow more and more and more Uh, in order to pay benefits at the current level. If they cut benefits, then uh, that offsets that. So we are at a point of crisis in that the money that was supposed to be, and that was part of the plan, that you have this big, big reserve, uh, there have been no problem. Mm -hmm. But uh, we don't have a reserve. No,
2: I mean, you've outlined it well. Uh, Basically what what happens is that they've got a reserve on paper, but the problem is that those papers are IOUs. The government yeah. has bonded the debt, taken the money, and spent it. Now, uh, I guess, Alan, uh, where do we go from here? I mean, what do you, because you're saying that now the government has to increase the federal deficit through uh, raising the debt ceiling every year just to keep up with present expenditures in Social Security and some of the other entitlement, alleged entitlement uh, programs are the biggest costs, not to mention the interest on the national debt, which is number two, I understand. So, what do we do? I mean, here we are going in further and further in a hawk every year just to keep up, and that the that Social Security cost is going to go up with the baby boomers retiring starting, you know, now, I mean, starting really this, this next couple of years.
3: Chuck, the, the first step has to be the level with the American people. This has been kept a secret. The government for 30 years has been using that money, I say stealing the money, and I have my efforts to get this out. I, I'm just so pleased to be on your uh, show because of uh, your – the people don't know about this. And uh, Republicans Democrats alike, uh, conservatives and liberals, will be outraged when they realize that the government has been taking that money for 30 years. And there seems to be in the media a uh, sort of a policy, we won't report anything the government doesn't want reported. Well, you remember back in the days when Dan Rather reported something government didn't want reported. Uh if We're not getting this out, and I'm having an opportunity here, and I would urge uh, people, let me just point out, I don't know if you got it or not, but I sent you a, a new article uh, that the trust fund money has already been spent. It was published this week, right. and you, anybody can go on the Internet and search either under the title, the trust fund money has already been spent, or under my name, A-L-L-E-N. W. Smith, and that just gives a, that's a summary of the whole thing, and it lays it out. In
2: well, case Alan, we, that we, people we'll, I'm going to have you back to talk further on that, because we're, but stay tight. We'll, we'll finish up in a minute.
5: Breathe it in, kid. Clean, fresh air thanks to these new air handler filters. They're more energy efficient, hold more dust, and are stronger than ever. And granger has got over 3,000 different styles and sizes to choose from. Just ordered a new batch from Granger.com today. I love oxygen, kid. And this facility's got some great AO2. I'm breathing easier just thinking about these air handler filters. Get some today. Get it? Got it? Good. Call, click airhandler slash air handler or stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
0: Today in America, people wake up worrying about their job and paying their bills, and that stinks. People in third world countries wake up worrying if their children will have anything to eat, and that stinks even worse. There's a way to help solve both of those problems. With USAGoodness.com, you can earn extra money working from home by helping to feed starving children in poverty-stricken areas. How great is that? Go to USAGoodness.com or call 800-301-6177. Chuck
2: Morse speaks. Thank you very much. Alan Smith is my guest. Social Security, will it be there for you? Alan, we're kind of running out of time here, and I can see we're just getting to the the most the best stuff. Uh, but it took me about an hour to get wound up to this point, so I'm going to have to have you back. We'll have to do another hour at least to get to the main thesis of your article. Um, as far as Dan Rather is concerned, I think that his problem was that he, he went out with a story without proper attribution, yeah, and uh, that's a, a real journalism. no-no you in gotta journalism.
3: Be, you got to be careful what that's you do. Uh, and, exactly. Uh, yeah. You but be, you're right and, about the and, journalists and now will our not our talk carriers, about
2: uh, Social Security. Mm-hmm. They, they seem to be a blackout on it. They don't criticize anything that the Obama administration is doing now. And uh, so we're not getting a real... Journalists are doing their job of really taking a vigorous look at this issue on all sides, putting aside the partisan questions, and just discovering what, what uh, the nature of this crisis, which is very real. Has a big and you make the case things. very well. Now, we only have a few more minutes, so I'd like you to, again, let people know how they can get, your, get information about you, how they can uh, get your book, and where they can read this latest article.
3: Okay. First of all, I'm going to give my website address. It is thebiglie.net. Uh, you find a lot of uh, material on there, thebiglie.net. The, big uh, the uh, article that was published by uh, fedsmith.com this week is uh, something that it's a long article that explains all this and, and goes through the mathematics to, to really prove it. It's called the Trust Fund. Has already been spent, and by me, Alan W. Smith. You can just Google either my name or the trust fund, or the trust fund money has already been spent, and you'll get there. And I think you'll find it very, very uh, useful, and you'll find a lot of comments. So there's controversy on that, but it is that is a fact, and there's no getting around it. And that's why I lay out the mathematics and how people can go and prove it. This situation is not debatable, really, in terms of substance. The Social Security money is gone. And many people, Mm -hmm. uh, if I could just have enough time here, I've got a whole bunch of quotes on the back of my book of people saying the trust fund wasn't there. Here's one from President George W. Bush. He
2: said, and... uh, Alan, we're going to have to do it another time. uh, I'll I'll be in touch with you. We'll do another show very soon. Thanks for joining me.
8: And if you're worried about your parent or a loved one living alone, like I was, and you want reliable senior care information, then call A Place for Mom, the nation's largest senior living referral service. You'll get free information on assisted living, Alzheimer's care, nursing homes, even important financial information. They had obviously researched every place,
10: not just giving me names. Really?
9: Yeah.
10: They found me a place for what she could afford, and it was magnificent. We're now... Very confident that she's safe, and they just helped every step of the way, and I can't thank them enough.
8: So if you're struggling to find reliable senior living information, call A Place for Mom. This is a free service, and you can trust them to help you.
6: If you're struggling to find reliable senior living information for your mom or dad, then call or go online to get the free help you need during this turbulent time. Call now, 800 800-469-7591. 800-469-7591
5: may have bad taste or smells, but there's even more to be concerned about. City water contains harmful chlorine and chemicals, which enter our bodies while showering, cooking, and washing food. Bottled water or sink filters don't protect you. Quad Max hydrocare's revolutionary whole house system provides healthy clean great tasting water from every faucet with virtually no pressure loss it's the only one of its kind with four times the purification capacity in one compact unit and it's only four hundred ninety five dollars the water quality far exceeds that of a system selling for twice the price so take charge of your family's health hydrocare the smart technology for all your water problems try now pay later Go to bestfiltertoday.com.
6: That's bestfiltertoday.com. Or call now, 1-866-984-6024. That's 1-866-984-6024. The
7: revolution in clean water.
1: a boston conservative in the cradle of liberty you'll want to listen when chuck moore speaks on the information radio network
2: thank you very much hour number two of chuck moore speaks at the IRN usa radio network again I want to thank economist alan smith for joining me in the first hour We are now joined by Ilya Shapiro, Senior Fellow in Constitutional Studies at the Cato Institute and Editor-in-Chief of the Cato Supreme Court Review, and Doug Napier. He is a Senior Counsel from the Alliance Defending Freedom. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me. Should small businesses be forced to provide services that violate their consciences? Now, this issue came up recently. Uh, due to a decision or due to a, a, a proposed law voted upon by the uh, legislature in the state of Arizona that would have allowed businesses to not be forced to provide specific services based upon their conscience, their religious objection. And uh, this uh, this proposal was uh, demagogued, I would argue, by its opponents and by the press in general um, and pressure was brought to bear on Governor Jan Brewer to veto the legislation. And when I say demagogued, I mean that it was misportrayed as being a law that would be anti-gay in this case or somehow denying gay people the right to purchase products at, in a public venue, which is not the case at all. What the law simply said was that the public venue in question would be allowed to present to offer the same services to anyone who entered into the uh, place of business, gay, straight, and otherwise, but that they would be allowed to conduct their products and create their products in the way that they saw fit equally for all so uh, but the the law was not signed by Governor Brewer because of the public pressure brought to bear, and I think that uh, this was a uh, really an abrogation and a significant uh, reversal of the ability of us as business people, as people offering goods and services to the public, to uh, function freely. Now the government can force us to create things and services in a way that they deem we should. All right, let me start uh, with you, Ilya. What say you with regard to this controversy?
11: Well, um, I'm, I support marriage equality, and as you described uh Arizona's law, uh, which is based on the federal law that was passed uh, unanimously more than two decades ago by Congress, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, uh, indeed uh, does not impose some sort of trump card for small businesses or anyone else uh, to uh, trump someone else's assertion of rights. Uh, what it says is that whenever uh, there's a state law that has a substantial burden uh, on um, uh, religious exercise, that objector gets to raise that point in court, and the court uh, gets to decide whether uh, the government, nevertheless, has a compelling interest uh, to overcome that objection, to justify the substantial burden, uh, and whether there's no other way to accomplish the goal of the law or the state action without burdening uh, religion. Uh, now, there are some states that have passed uh, or have uh, attempted to pass bills proposed uh, that do discriminate uh, uh, in a whole host of ways, and mention uh, whether sexual orientation or marriage or whatever other issues, Kansas' for example, uh, is very different from the Arizona or the federal law. But in general, uh, as a matter of principle, I, I do agree with, with what you said, that uh, businesses or anyone else should be able to con- con- conduct their affairs uh, as they see fit, uh, but the government has to treat uh, uh, everyone equally. And, and the Arizona law, as I said, is based on the federal law, uh, just uh, uh, make sure that the uh, freedom of conscience is uh, preserved.
2: And by the way, one of the ironies of this situation is that uh, gay marriage is not even recognized as legal in the state of Arizona. So well, uh, it, was, it, it seems odd. No, the reason odd. it
11: was raised is because Tucson, Phoenix, and Flagstaff, obviously the three biggest cities there, had municipal ordinances prohibiting uh, discrimination based on sexual orientation. I think that's what, what prompted the, uh, the state legislature to act.
2: But there was no instance of uh, of uh, discrimination. I mean, you have, and, and again, I think that it was a case of a bakery, if I'm not mistaken. But you had a case where allegedly someone went into a bakery and they demanded that the baker make a cake that they wanted made in the way they wanted it made. It had nothing to do with whether the person is gay or straight or or racial issues at all. It had to do with the fact that someone walked into a business and told a business person to conduct their business in the way they wanted it conducted. To me, this is a very basic issue of freedom. I mean, would you walk into, like, an art gallery and tell a painter to paint a picture the way you want it painted? You know, would you go into a mechanic and say, no, I don't like the oil you're using. You have to use this other oil because that's what I want. You know, it's kind of like, they're not telling a gay couple, for example, that they can't buy cakes in their, in their bakery. They're simply telling someone that they, this is the cakes they make. These are the styles that they make them. And now they're being told by the government that they have to, they're being coerced to make it another way. So my way of thinking is, it has nothing to do with religion either. I think that Arizona made a mistake to phrase this in the context of religious freedom. It's overall freedom. I, as a business person, I mean, do I want to have someone tell me as a radio host, no, I can't talk about this, I can only talk about that, you know, because someone feels that they're discriminated? No one's discriminated. Anyone can come on this program. Anyone can call in. But, you know, as the host, I get to decide what I want to talk about and how I want to talk about it. Anyway, uh, Doug Napier, let me welcome you into the conversation, Senior Counsel from the Alliance Defending Freedom. Doug?
12: Thank you, Chuck. Chuck, you're exactly right, and I think what is at stake here is, is the fundamental core of our basic liberties. When you've got, whether it's a government or outside groups, telling everybody how they must run their business where the government runs you out of business, then then our, all of our freedoms are at stake. And I think that's what's uh, what people are missing in this, is that they're saying, you know, in the name of diversity, we're going to force conformity. Well, then you lose diversity. You lose what makes America great. And these businesses are saying, we just don't want to be compelled to communicate a message that is contrary to our beliefs. We'll serve anybody, but we're not going to participate in activities, or express messages that are contrary to our beliefs. Just as you said, you're not not going to be forced as a radio host to convey a message that you as a host don't believe. That's part of your First Amendment protections. Well, businesses have First Amendment protections, too. You don't cease to have First Amendment protections simply because you go into business. And yet that is what our federal government has alleged in all of these HHS abortion pill mandate cases. They say once you're in business, you lose the right to have any beliefs. Well, tell that to Starbucks, tell that you know to Bill Gates and all these other business leaders who have their own philosophy and beliefs that they operate their businesses by. In fact, they came into Arizona, American Airlines, and others threatening and flexing their corporate muscles, uh, muscle, saying if you don't comply with our beliefs, then we're going to punish you. Well, that's un-American.
2: I, I couldn't agree more, and, and I think that we could take a look at the shoe being on the other foot, Let's say the baker is a liberal who is pro-abortion, and someone came in and they wanted a cake made in the shape of a dead fetus. You know, I mean, would they not have a right to, on conscience, to say, no, we're not going to do that? I mean, this is really a, a fundamental issue of freedom. It's no different than the right of the individual to decide who gets to enter into their place of domicile, whether they own or rent. You know, this is... You know, a business is not telling someone you can't come here because you're black or because you're white. They're right. telling someone that they can't come in after they're there to purchase a product like anyone else to tell the businessman how they're to make the product. It's that simple. And as far as the issue of gay marriage is concerned, what I would suggest to people who support gay marriage is that uh, – you know they can bring they can find a baker who will make a cake that they like they can put pressure on the company and they could they can say we're not going to shop here that's their right as well but to try to use the force of law to make someone do this under the guise that you know they're somehow discriminating that's a that that's a uh, as i say it's a shoe that could be put on both feet i mean you know, they could end up being the yeah, recipient yeah, of those sorts in the, of. Uh, in the case, coercion. you
11: mentioned the Baker, that's from uh, Oregon. There's, there's a wedding photographer out of New Mexico, and the Supreme Court, unfortunately, recently decided not to take up that case. Uh, but this is a, a, a photographer that uh, serves uh, a gay clientele in various ways. If you want to get a portrait done or whatever the case may be, just didn't want to work uh, uh, the, uh, the commitment ceremony. Uh, and, uh, was fined, uh, by the, by New Mexico's, uh, Human Rights Commission for that. And it's not like there aren't, uh, alternatives, uh, other wedding photographers. There are more than 100 in the Albuquerque area. Um, so it's not like the case, uh, in the Jim Crow South, say, in the 60s where, uh, you know, no restaurant was willing to serve blacks, so they couldn't get food or couldn't get a hotel or something like this. Here, there are plenty of, uh, of alternatives and, indeed, no reason to uh, bend the will and the conscience of the uh, small business uh, uh, to uh, whatever the uh, the political orthodoxy might be. You know,
12: you know now we're
2: talking about... Yep.
11: You see, the, the
2: Elaine
12: Photography case is a case that uh, we represent uh, Elaine Huguenin in. And what's really tragic in that case, is, as Ilya points out, is that you know, she would, again, take anybody's um, you know, photograph, but she's not going to participate in, in an activity where she has to use her expressive talents to carry a message contrary to her beliefs. And there were other photographers, and they found another photographer, less money, that did a, apparently a suitable job. But here's the thing when the Supreme Court of New Mexico looked at that case, they said that she has to compromise her religious beliefs as the price of citizenship that's a direct quote that's wow. just i mean that's bone chilling that's awful. to think that that is the price of citizenship that you have to sacrifice who you are and what you believe in order to enter the stream of commerce that is wrong
2: who wrote that decision i'd like to interview them that is yeah, an well outrage. good
12: luck yeah it's you can, you can i'll send you the the uh, the opinion and it was a, it was a five opinion against Elaine Photography, and that's why we were really hoping the U.S. Supreme Court would take this case. And, and Ilya and his team at Cato did a great job of uh, submitting Amicus briefs to support uh, that case, and we appreciate that.
2: It's an awfully strange, this awfully strange view of citizenship, I must say. Certainly, uh, from people who don't understand the nature of. Uh, the American context of citizenship. I mean, uh, we become so, biopic. If we
12: look at the wrong victims here and we say, well, you know, this is going to hurt somebody's feelings. Well, what about the dignity of Elaine photography? What about her human dignity? What about her right to be in business, to engage in her art without the kind of, of uh, bullying that the government and these uh, so-called human rights commissions and others are coming and saying, if you don't march in lockstep with the official
11: governmental orthodoxy, we're going to punish you. That's and the, so the other point out of this, well, this is, is a... that uh, anti-discrimination laws uh, or or civil rights laws are meant to protect minorities who might otherwise be oppressed by the majority. Mm-hmm. And certainly in a place like New Mexico, uh, I think it's uh, Elaine and, and, and her views, you know, not being uh, – not wanting to work the – uh the same sex uh uh wedding ceremony commitment ceremony that's probably the minority i think uh businesses in uh in in albuquerque or in phoenix for that matter uh where the the arizona ambrolio came up uh probably would gain more by advertising that they are uh you know gay friendly putting up a rainbow flag or whatever the case may be so i don't think this is a case where uh some oppressed minority uh you know needs the state to come in or otherwise they have uh, no alternative and and are effectively living as second-class citizens
2: okay we're going to take a brief break here we'll be back ilia shapiro doug napier are my guests
7: You have a mortgage and a load of other debt. Wouldn't it be great if it all just went away? Nine-year mortgage can change your life. We
9: paid off all of our bills.
7: All your debt, including your mortgage, in as little as nine years?
9: We will have saved over $313,000 in interest payments.
7: Even have more money left over each month?
9: It lowered our monthly payments by a little over $500.
7: Nine-year mortgage.
9: (laughs) Where have they been all of our life?
7: If you knew about something like that, you'd want to tell everybody.
9: Whenever I have a friend or someone that needs this service, I give them the number.
5: Hi, I'm Larry Ruff, president of Nine Year Mortgage. This is unlike anything you've ever seen before, and it will absolutely not harm your credit. Call for your free CD and learn how you can eliminate all of your debt, including your mortgage, much sooner than you ever dreamed possible. The more debt you have, the more we can help.
7: Call for your free CD now, 800-383-5310.
9: This works. Call the number.
7: Call now for your free CD, 800-383-5310, 800-383-5310.
10: No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the Total Transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free.
7: Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-800-220-0926. 1-800-220-0926. That's 1-800-220-0926. 1-800-220-0926.
6: Policies issued by American General Life Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit
8: AIGdirect.com.
6: On March 3rd last year, Henry W. faced his own death with incredible courage. He wasn't in an accident. He wasn't ill. He wasn't in any danger. But he faced this reality head on. If he died... His wife and children wouldn't be able to pay the mortgage, make the car payments, or keep up the life they'd had. His family would lose everything. So he picked up the phone and called AIG Direct. He found out that through AIG Direct, he could get a quarter million dollar life insurance policy for less than $14 a month. Now, he knows that he's helped make his family's future secure no matter what happens to him. Protecting your
7: family with coverage through AIG Direct is fast, easy, and incredibly affordable. Call AIG Direct right now for a free no-obligation quote. The call takes less than five minutes, and you can save up to 70%. Call now, 1-800-320-8583. That's 1-800-320-8583. 1-800-320-8583. Whether it's a serious fall, fire danger, or other type of home emergency, Life Alert is there for you. The company with its slogan, Help, I've
2: Fallen, and I Can't Get Up, protects its members. Here are some of them.
10: When you have a heart attack like I did and there's no one there, Life Alert was there for me.
2: Having
12: a secure feeling through Life Alert is ideal.
10: My independence is possible
9: because of it.
5: Now, Life Alert can also protect you in a fire emergency with a system that automatically notifies our monitoring center.
9: Thanks
12: to Life Alert, you can live alone without ever being alone. With Life Alert protection, elderly people can avoid or delay going to a nursing facility. For a free
7: brochure about Life Alert service, call now, 1-800-304-3912. That's 1-800-304-3912. Call Life Alert now for your free brochure, 1-800-304-3912.
1: You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network.
2: Thank you very much. And my guests are Ilya Shapiro. He's a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Doug Napier, senior counsel at the Alliance Defending Freedom. We're talking should small businesses be forced to provide services that violate their consciences. Let me welcome aboard also Andre Traversa, my partner at EpicQuest Media. Andre
13: uh, I'd like to ask, uh, Ellie, I'd like to ask you a question now. I, I First of all, I agree that this does not violate the Civil Rights Act of 64 or anything like that, because it's not about who you serve, it's about what you serve. I mean, it's, In fact, I wish conservatives would make more uh, multicultural arguments and say, look, just like a Muslim does, should not be forced to serve pork at a restaurant, uh, businesses should not be forced to provide services that violate their consciences. I mean, I think that an argument like that would make a lot of sense. Having said that, and Chuck and I have disagreed on this, but I want to ask you your take on this. Don't you think Title VII and the Civil Rights Act of 64 went a little too far by compelling uh, – by telling small businesses who they can employ and who they can't and saying you, know, you, you can't discriminate against – I mean, I, I, I don't think the government should be allowed to discriminate against anybody, but I think that, that the Title VII in the Civil Rights Act of 64 w- went a little too far by intruding into the private
11: sector. What's your take on that as a libertarian? Well, first of all, just to, to, to correct one thing you said, the Civil Rights Act of 64 doesn't apply – uh, because sexual orientation is not a protected category uh, at the federal level. Uh, but, but more broadly, no, I, I agree with you that um, uh, uh, businesses or individuals, private individuals uh, or businesses uh, should be free to conduct their affairs however they, however they want. The caveat I would put on that is that if there's a monopoly situation, like it's the only uh, hotel or restaurant for miles around, something like that, uh uh then uh, the government might have a compelling interest to come in and say well this is effectively like a public utility um and and uh you know for, for those reasons you you have to serve uh, uh everybody say and there also might be a difference between a true public accommodation like a hotel or restaurant versus uh you know a a, a, a by appointment business uh, like you can hire a uh, a singer or you can hire a carpenter or you can hire a you know, photographer or whatever trade not not necessarily a, a shop or, or a, a restaurant but uh, you know a, a trade and there that person might be uh you know offering them you know it's not that their doors are literally open they don't have doors they provide certain services so uh i do think the you know no rights are absolute whether it be freedom of speech freedom of uh association uh, uh right to bear arms none of this is is absolute and so in certain uh circumstances the government may well have a compelling interest uh to overcome Uh, uh, the the freedom of association or freedom of an individual to uh, 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 conduct their business uh, as they like. But I I do agree that uh, on the whole, uh, and especially since Jim Crow is now dead, um, uh, the the broad justification for that provision of the Civil Rights Act, I think, is no longer there.
13: Let me just ask you one last question about this, Ilya, because I'm going to have to go here shortly. I want to ask you the – in, during the Jim Crow South, though, wasn't the segregation and discrimination basically mandated by the states? I and mean, wasn't yes. didn't they basically tell the businesses they had to have separate drinking fountains and they had to have uh, they, and they couldn't serve? <laughs> yeah. uh,
11: you know, they had to have separate lunch counters. Wasn't that what was going on? A- absolutely, there was uh, state participation and state mandates. That was uh, certainly a big deal. There was also uh, uh, so-called unofficial enforcement, like if a business wanted to be more competitive, have a new uh, line of profits by serving uh, people with, without regard uh, to race. The uh, off-duty policeman dressed as a Klansman would come by and tell them that that wouldn't be such a good idea. Um, so the, the state uh, the direct governmental and quasi-governmental pressure certainly made uh, that era a, a unique circumstance in this regard.
2: You know, I would think that it's one thing for a business to be able to hire or not hire Anyone they want. Although I don't think it would be all that make that business all that popular if they let it be known that they don't hire black people. But it's another matter entirely for a business that opens its door to the public to tell the public, well, we don't let in black people. We don't serve them. And uh, to my way of thinking, if some, if if a business is a public venue, at the time that they're opening the door to the public. Um, I think there are constitutional reasons that would argue that they can't do that. They can't say, well, we're opening our door to the public, except we don't like gays or we don't like blacks. You know, I just think that uh that aspect of it, I think, could be argued constitutionally or otherwise. But no, I, don't, I don't think, uh, go, I don't think go,
11: there, there's an issue because it's not state action. You know, whether it's good policy or right. not to have that kind of anti-discrimination law is a different question. Well, and, and, and that's and
2: it's, not it's the really issue different. we're talking about either way, because right. Right. there's uh, no one saying to anyone you can't come here because we don't like right. Right. you know right. uh, Asians or we don't like anyone yeah. else. Yeah. That's not what's going on here, um, yeah, Doug. Know, I'm sorry.
12: Yeah, I, you know that's where you always have to come in, and you have to look at the, you know the balancing of the interests and the harms, and how powerful do we want our government to be to come in and dictate every move that we make in private business. You know, I, I I could walk into the dress barn and I could say, you know, I, I want a suit and I want a you know dress shirt with French cuffs and a silk tie, and they say you know, they're going to look at me like I'm an idiot. I say, no, we we sell dresses, and you'll see our sign. It says dress barn. Well, do they discriminate against me and exactly. Of course not. They made a business decision. They want to serve a certain market.
2: But but now they can say that it is, I suppose. We've uh, got to take a brief break. We'll be back.
10: Yeah. <laughs> Forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the Total Transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free.
7: Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-610-2527. 1-888-610-2527. That's 1-888-610-2527. 1-888-610-2527.
1: Owning and caring for a home comes with a lot of to-dos. Fix the AC, build a deck, remodel the kitchen. Whatever your home improvement need, HomeAdvisor can help you find a pro you can trust to get the job done right. Go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com for instant access to top-rated pros in your area including electricians, handymen, remodelers, whatever type of home pro you need. HomeAdvisor is absolutely free to use. At HomeAdvisor, you don't have to search through a long list of pros. With just a few clicks, HomeAdvisor matches you with pros who provide the exact services you need. You can read customer reviews of the pros, even use the cost guide to find out what hundreds of other home projects cost in your area. Because HomeAdvisor knows it's important to find a pro you can trust in your home, They conduct background checks on their service professionals. It's just one of the reasons more than 25 million homeowners have used HomeAdvisor. Go to rebuildhomeadvisor.com to find the right pro for your project. That's rebuild.homeadvisor.com. Author, journalist, and American patriot, this is Chuck Morse Speaks.
2: Thank you very much. I want to thank Ilya Shapiro for having joined us, senior fellow in constitutional studies at the Cato Institute. We're also joined now by Doug Napier as well, senior counsel from the Alliance Defending Freedom. Doug, this seems to me to be, this situation being um, the Arizona situation, that is, and others, seems to me to be an unprecedented um, coercive interference by government into the private business of businesses. This isn't a matter of them telling businesses that if they open their doors to the public, they have to let in the public and not say, well, we're not letting you in, but we'll let this other guy. This is a case where the government is telling a business what they actually have to do once the public is in, what they have to create. Now, I think that uh, I would argue, I wonder if the precedence that allows the government to now assume this level of coercive power emanates from the passage of the affordable care act which allowed the government to force individuals by law to buy something on the market now i realize that uh, justice roberts issued that very bizarre uh, opinion <laughs> claiming that the affordable care act is a tax but everyone knows that it's a mandate congress passed it as a mandate obama signed it in a law as a mandate it's a mandate and what that means is that now the government can tell people they have to buy things uh, in the active sense. So isn't that, therefore, the basis? Didn't that create a case study precedent for the government to now tell businesses how they have to predict, create their products?
12: Yeah, I think that there's very, very clear uh, parallels here. Anytime you have the government coming in and, you know, the government's involved in a lot of aspects of business and and most uh, uh, libertarians and and Americans that are in business and, and, you know, the majority of our employers are small business owners. Uh, feel that the, the government oversight is so oppressive. Now, we, we can agree there's certain safety standards and things that are there to protect employees. But when you get into product mix or how you're going to run your business or compelling a business owner to purchase, uh, in the case of the Affordable Care Act, abortion-causing drugs, pay for them and provide them to your employees – I mean, that is such an overreach on the on the part of the federal government. And it's creating this mindset, And we is, well, of course, you know, the government has the right, you know, this is for the good of the people, for health care, you know, good cause. But we're seeing now in, in the cases, and we represent, you know, over a, a dozen of these companies, and we've got a 15 to 1, I think it's now 16 to 1 record in favor of businesses where the federal government says, all right, wait a minute, this is too far, too much. And the government doesn't have the right to compel these small business owners to violate their conscience as the price of doing business in America, even though that's the position of the Department of Justice. Now, that case is before the Supreme Court. We represent one of the, uh, the plaintiffs in that case, Conestoga Woods uh, Industries. And that case has been argued. The Supreme Court's going to decide on it. I think they're going to come down on the right side on this. They're going to say no. The, the, that act is an overreach and we're not going to compel businesses to make a choice between being in business or paying these crippling fines, which are probably going to put them out of business.
2: Do you think that it was appropriate for, in the case of Arizona, the state to craft this legislation under the context of religious freedom, or might they not have broadened it to simply argue for freedom, period?
12: Well, I, it's a very good question, and uh, and I think the reason it was styled as the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of, of Arizona is because, as Ilya pointed out early on, this mirrored the federal legislation that was passed in 1993 virtually unanimously by both the, the House and the Senate and signed into law by Bill Clinton. I mean, there was no dispute over this, and, and because most of the time you see this issue coming up, it's because it violates people deeply held and sincerely held religious beliefs. But I think you're right. Right. I think there's an argument that could be made that it should be broader than just religious beliefs. But on the other hand, you want to be careful that you don't make it a law unto itself. And that was, you know, that was Justice Scalia's concern uh, when the decision came down in the Smith versus Unemployment Division case, which c- created the need for this federal legislation. So I think there is an argument to be made. We just want to make sure that it's not so broad that anything goes. On the other hand, people's conscience should control.
2: Okay, we'll be right back.
4: Thank you. Hello, my name is Marius Forte, and together with my good friend Sam Sorbo, I would like to introduce you to a new book called The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. The answer is like a master key to all your spiritual questions about the existence of God, as well as to questions that humanity has asked throughout the ages. For example, is there a God? And if there is, is he good? And if He is good, how could we be meant suffering in this world which sounds like a contradiction, but it is not? Where do we come from and where are we going and why are we going at all? Why this tremendous amount of energy surrounding us? Is there life after death? Is there actually a heaven and a hell? How can we be sure is there any proof? What are the two main ingredients of happiness and how could we obtain these? Many more questions are addressed in our new book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. As we simply know of gravity not just believe in it, once you apply the naturalistic laws of this universe, your belief will turn into knowledge and you will know God. Our book has just been launched. Please visit our website, theanswer-book.com, for more information. Amen. Hello, my name is Marius Forte. And together with my good friend, Sam Sorbo, I would like to introduce you to our new book called The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. The answer is like a master key to all your spiritual questions about the existence of God, as well as to questions that humanity has asked throughout the ages. For example, is there a God? And if there is, is he good? And if he's good, how could it be meant suffering in this world which sounds like a contradiction, but it is not. Where do we come from and where are we going and why are we going at all? Why this tremendous amount of energy surrounding us? Is there life after death? Is there actually a heaven and a hell? How can we be sure is there any proof? What are the two main ingredients of happiness and how could we obtain these? Many more questions are addressed in our new book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. As we simply know of gravity and not just believe in it, once you apply the naturalistic laws of this universe, you believe will turn into knowledge and you will know God. Our book has just been launched. Please visit our website, theanswer-book.com, for more information.
9: from Missouri. I've been doing Andy Willoughby's three-step plan for almost four years. I love it because I'm able to do the things that I'm passionate about, like youth ministry, going on our youth trips and homeschooling. Uh, We have a really busy schedule. I'm able to plug in my business into the free hours that we have. I love that it gives our family extra choices, like traveling. I love the people that I work with. I love doing the three-step plan. Hi,
0: how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. The three-step plan home business system has been helping people find financial freedom for over 10 years. And I think we could help you too. What people like best about the three-step plan. Plan is you can actually have customers calling you, you don't have to be a salesperson, and you get to work with nice family oriented people. To find out how you could start making more money working from home, go to 3stepusa.com. That's 3stepusa.com or call 800 480 2102. 800 480 2102.
1: Chuck Morse speaks.
2: Thank you very much, Doug Napier is here, senior counsel from the Alliance Defending Freedom. Doug, if this uh, law was signed by Bill Clinton and passed by Congress in uh, 1993, the uh, Freedom, uh, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, then why is this even happening? Why, why would uh, Arizona need to pass a special law? Why wouldn't okay. it be assumed that the business does have the right to, to uh, create whatever product they choose? based upon religious conscience?
12: Yeah, it's a good question. And and the reason is that there was another case that came down and said that the federal law only applied to the federal government. It didn't apply to the states. So after that, there's been uh, over a dozen, uh, almost 20 states that have had to pass a state-based uh, complement to the federal law uh, so that the citizens of the individual states had the protection from state government.
2: So then why is that controversial? I mean, if a state passes a law that echoes the federal law, which is a perfectly normal thing to do in our system, why, why, would this, uh, why should that be viewed as controversial?
12: Well, and that's and another excellent question. And, and that's where the distortion of this bill uh, really took on a life of its own. And is what uh, – I mean, Arizona actually has passed this bill – uh, you know, 10 years ago that mirrored the federal law, what they were trying to do was to clarify some of the language in there because uh, New Mexico also had a Religious Freedom Act, but it didn't work to protect Elaine uh, Huguenin in the Elaine photography case because they said, well, in that case, uh, she doesn't have the protection because there's no state actor. That The Human Rights Commission is merely a tribunal, but they weren't the ones bringing the complaint. It was an individual bringing the complaint. Therefore, they said it was a private You know, which is kind of ridiculous because any time you have state law that's being enforced by a state tribunal, you would think that the citizen would have the right to raise as a defense the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Uh, But they said, no, this falls outside. So Arizona was trying to head that off by saying, no, this this applies across the board. Any time these issues are raised, you have the right to protection. And of course, the you know the other side distorted what this was about and they said it's about denying service rather than protecting uh, the uh, First Amendment rights of individuals and, and you know the rest was history.
2: Why won't the Supreme Court hear the case, you think?
12: Boy, I, you know, we don't know. You know, it only takes four justices to have a case reviewed, but sometimes they say, well, if we don't think we have the vote to work, they let's don't make national questions.
2: Okay, we'll, we'll be, be right back.
12: Business, this case is stuck in the back
4: Hello, my name is Marius Forte, and together with my good friend Sam Sorbo, I would like to introduce you to a new book called The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. The answer is like a master key to all your spiritual questions about the existence of God, as well as to questions that humanity has asked throughout the ages. For example, is there a God? And if there is, is he good? And if he's good, how could it be much suffering in this world, which sounds like a contradiction, but it is not. Where do we come from, and where are we going, and why are we going at all? Why this tremendous amount of energy surrounding us? Is there life after death? Is there actually a heaven and a hell? How can we be sure there's any proof? What are the two main ingredients of happiness, and how could we obtain these? Many more questions are addressed in our new book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. As we simply know of gravity and not just believe in it, once you apply the naturalistic laws of this universe... Your believe will turn into knowledge and you will know God. Our book has just been launched. Please visit our website, theanswer-book.com, for more information.
1: Chuck Morse
2: speaks. Thanks so much. And uh, Doug Dapier is my guest, Senior Counsel for the Alliance Defending Freedom so, uh, Doug, we have a situation where the Supreme Court is not uh, hearing the case that, uh, that you're attempting to bring. Where do you go from now, from here?
12: Well, we're representing a number of different clients that are in similar situations. Uh, we have a, a baker in Colorado. Uh, we have a florist in Washington State. And we also have a T-shirt company uh, that uh, also... Uh, was asked to print T-shirts for a gay pride event, and they said, you know, because of our Christian beliefs, we declined to do this, but we have another company that can provide you with the exact same thing that you want at the same price. They'll honor our price, and uh, yet they brought the complaint. It was interesting in that case because the uh, civil rights uh, uh, police in, in that state said uh, – uh, it was asked the question, well, it had been the other way around. It had been a, you know, a gay t-shirt company that was asked to you know, print a t-shirt that uh, that had a Christian message condemning homosexual behavior. Would they be forced to do that? And he said, well, absolutely not. And, yeah, they didn't see the irony of that response. So we have a number of cases that could come back up. Uh, Maybe the Supreme Court will take one of these things because, you know, fundamentally the the court has said that expressive speech cannot be compelled. You have the right to speak, but you have the right not to speak. And these are expressive uh, behaviors that I think the Supreme Court ultimately will protect if we can get a case to them.
2: Doug, I had the opportunity of interviewing a very liberal uh, university legal uh, professor professor of law. And I asked this question directly to her as you phrase it. Um, why should a company be forced to do something against their conscience, against their will? And her answer was that certain groups of people in this country have special rights based upon what she's claimed, her interpretation of the Equal Protection Clause and that gay people are amongst those people because allegedly they've been oppressed and, you know, discriminated against by Americans. They, therefore, are put in a special category, and they've got special rights. Now, I'm sure that you would, along with me, reject that idea on constitutional grounds, on legal grounds, and on moral grounds. However, that is a very prevailing view right now, isn't it?
12: Well, it, it is a you know it is a prevailing hallucination at this point. The Supreme Court has already had an opportunity to weigh in on this and determine whether special classification, status, and protections would extend uh, to people engaged in homosexual behavior. They have not. Even with Lawrence v. Texas, they didn't, and so you know there is no special class treatment uh, there, but there is special protections for religion. And you know, that goes back to the, you know, our founding documents and, and uh, the First Amendment. So free exercise of religion has always been recognized and protection. What we have, though, like uh, you know, the head of the EEOC, Kai Feldblum, who says when you have this inevitable crisis, this conflict between religious freedom and you know, sexual demands and, and sexual anarchy, that these, the so-called sexual rights should prevail. Well, that's you know that's not what the Constitution says. That's not what our Supreme Court has said. You know, that's a that's what they want, and that's why they're pushing for it. But that is not where we are, and it shouldn't be where we are. And, that, and those time uh, and also,
2: I mean, just to ahead. clarify, I think that the, their advocacy of so-called sexual rights that doesn't have to therefore be imposed and coerced upon those who reject those principles. No one's telling them they can't do whatever they want, I suppose, I mean, within reasonable limits. They're the ones who are coercing. They're the ones that are telling those who reject their particular uh, philosophy that they have to embrace it, and they're using the force of government to make people fa- uh, co- um, embrace it. Um, so week, So that's where the coercion yeah. is.
12: Last week there was a whole bunch of signers to an open letter, and it was titled, Freedom to Mary, Freedom to Dissent, We Must Have Both, or Why We Must Have Both. And I think they're recognizing that this overreach, this aggressive uh, intolerance in the name of tolerance, is going to really hurt their cause. I mean, I think it's going to hurt America, too, because society is not benefited when you coerce people – into carrying the official orthodoxy. I mean, look at what happened at Mozilla and the CEO, Brendan Eich. Just because he exercised his First Amendment right to support a political cause and made a $1,000 donation to support Prop 8, he was absolutely excoriated and run out of Mozilla. And and, and now they've got groups that are publishing the list of donors saying that they should lose their jobs. That's just absolutely mind-boggling.
2: Well, I think it was even uh, Bill Mayer, the uh, liberal uh, humorist, who said that there's a um, a gay Gestapo out there, or I think he referred to it as a gay mafia, and that uh, there's also another gay blogger, I forget his name, but um, he actually exposed this fact, and now he's been excommunicated, that uh, there is a, a group of uh, gay activists, whether they're gay or not, beside the point, that scan websites and, and social networks to find out If anyone said anything against them, then they go on a list. All right, we'll be right
0: back. Picture yourself sitting on a three-legged stool. One leg represents your relationships, another your health, and the third your finances. Now suppose one of the legs is shorter than the others or maybe even broken. It would make life off-balance and uncomfortable, wouldn't it? Is that where you're finding yourself? Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby with the 3-Step Plan Home Business System. With a 3-Step Plan Home Business, you could earn extra money. You could choose your own work hours, so your relationships could take priority for a change. And with more time and money, it'd be easier to take care of your health. You could be in balance. Wouldn't that be grand? We'll train you, and the only tools you need are a telephone and Internet access. If you're tired of things being sideways in your life, check out the 3-Step Plan Home Business System. To get free product samples and to find out how you can make extra money working from home, go to 3StepUSA.com. That's 3StepUSA.com or call 800-480-2102.
1: 800-480-2102. Taking back America one listener at a time, Chuck Chuck
2: Morse speaks. Thank you very much. Uh, Doug Napier is my guest, Senior Counsel from the Alliance Defending Freedom. Andre Travers is here, my partner at Epic Quest Media. Andre.
13: Yes, uh, Doug, it's good to have you on. I wanted to ask you, um, you're talking about Mozilla, and don't get me wrong, I think that the intimidation that uh, Mozilla, you know, Mozilla put uh, uh, this guy through uh, was crazy, and I, think, I don't think he should have been fired. However, having said that, Mozilla is a private co- corporation. It's not a government entity, and I, I just wonder, you know, because they're a private company, I do believe they have the right to to do this. The question that what concerned me about it though was what I thought was really hypocritical about it was they kept saying, "Oh, you know, we we want to represent diversity in all right. points of view." Well, they obviously didn't, you know. But I but I do think it's different when a private corporation fires somebody than when the government uh, silences someone. I mean, I, I I think I think it's a bad trend. But unfortunately, I I, I do think they do have the right to do that. I, I mean, even though I don't care, you know, for what they do. Of course,
2: and, unquestionably, that's not the issue. Of course, they have the right to. The question is, is it right that they had to do it and they were coerced? I mean, that's what's disgraceful. I mean, no one's questioning their right to fire anyone they want.
13: Well, I don't know if Mozilla was coerced. Uh, Doug, they, I mean, how was Mozilla coerced? Yeah, they oh, were. Yeah. Well, yeah.
2: Mozilla was Stupid. threatened and coerced by this this radical uh, group that, that, well, that threatened to boycott the them and is, cut their business. But,
13: but Okay, but on the other hand, don't you think sometimes Christians should do some of the same thing? Maybe we should do some of that. Maybe we should, maybe we should boycott companies, maybe more aggressively boycott companies yeah. that disagree with uh,
2: I suppose. Been, I know, mean, you yeah, know, absolutely.
12: They, yeah, I think what that case uh, illustrates is the hypocrisy because they talk about being all inclusive and and diverse and tolerant and all that, but yet the you know the true colors sh- sh- really right. were revealed when they weren't. And yeah, I think as a business, they can decide who they want to hire and who they want don't want to hire, but don't come across and say yes, we we are virtuous and we we believe that everyone should right. have dignity, except if you disagree with us.
13: Right. I agree. I agree with that.
2: Well, I mean, it shows the utter preposterous uh, hypocrisy of the whole thing. Plus, it does show the danger of a coordinated attempt to squelch um, free enterprise and free speech. Doug, we're running low on time here. So <clears throat> I want you to take the opportunity to let people know how they can reach you and how they could read articles by you and what you're up to.
12: Well, thank you. I appreciate it, Chuck, and keep up the good work. You can keep the conversation debate going, AllianceDefendingFreedom.org. AllianceDefendingFreedom.org is where they can find out about it Sign up for our news alerts and uh, keep in touch. Thank you very much
2: and have a good day, everybody. I shall return.
8: And if you're worried about your parent or a loved one living alone, like I was, and you want reliable senior care information, then call A Place for Mom, the nation's largest senior living referral service. You'll get free information on assisted living, Alzheimer's care, nursing homes even important financial information. They had obviously researched every place, not just given me names. They
10: found me a place for what she could afford, and it was magnificent. We're now very confident that she's safe, and they just helped every step of the way, and I can't thank them enough.
8: So if you're struggling to find reliable senior living information, call A Place for Mom. This is a free service, and you can trust them to help you.
6: If you're struggling to find reliable senior living information for your mom or dad, then call or go online to get the free help you need during this turbulent time. Call now, 800-469-7591, 800-469-7591.